Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Melinda Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris, and um, for today, we're going to be doing our first um, memorable game review. Um, it's, it's been in the works for, for a while. We've done uh, several um, movie reviews, but wanted to do our first game review today, and it's 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 the 27th consecutive, the, the, the Warriors <laughs> Rockets Game 7, uh, Savon, uh, the one you've been clamoring for. How's it going? It's going pretty good. I've been waiting for this. I, My fingers are just on fire. My mouth is ready. Like, I'm ready to get into it, man. So, so usually, Savon is just like, hey, Wilson, just get the topics ready every week. It, it, it doesn't doesn't really matter. This one, he was like, you know, we, we need to do the, We, we got to do this one. This one has to be completed because 27 consecutive was just too memorable. It's too memorable, and it's not the only thing you get from that game seven, but twenty seven consecutive. Exactly. It's pretty. It's pretty spot on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as we start off with it to get into the overview, um, the Rockets in- entered the series with the best record they um had ever had in franchise history, sixty five and seventeen, and were in their sixth consecutive postseason. Um, the Warriors um in their second year with KD were fifty eight and twenty four had also entered their sixth consecutive postseason appearance since the league's um, first year of existence. And and from the offseason, that, that past offseason leading up to that conference finals, Houston, they were they were built to dethrone um, the KD-led Warriors. Um, they, they With bringing in Chris Paul and having um, shooters around him, competent shooters around him, that was Daryl Morey's, like, that was his number one, like, goal and challenge. Like, he said on, in, a, in a radio interview that summer that he was obsessed with beating the Warriors like that was the number one thing they had on their mind and um looking back at, at what the Warriors were trying to do they were they were looking to repeat and they hadn't had much of a postseason challenge um, up to that point and even though they didn't have home court advantage for that series I think that was the first time in, in probably their championship run that they hadn't had um home court advantage um, but we're still extremely confident that they that they'd be able to pull it off um what were your initial thoughts of how the series would play out and how formidable of a challenge um, Houston would be um, for that series. Well, we watch. Well, we watch every year. Let's let's be honest. We watch every year. James Harden yeah. goes crazy. Goes just goes crazy in a stint. Like for like thirty to two months straight, he was averaging like forty points, <laughs> whatever it is, ten assists. You know, doing it, doing his due. But every time we get to mm-hmm. the playoffs, he doesn't show up or something like. Yeah, sporadic happens, and he's just fire but my initial like when KD first went over to the Warriors that what happened the first year the second year okay and then I thought maybe Houston Rockets may have a chance because they went to go get Chris Paul um then they were 65 and 17 that was like crazy the entire year was crazy everything was markets going crazy (laughs) and I'm like yo this could go to game seven I didn't know who was going to win, but I knew it had the like the the markings and like the the willpower to, to go to Game Seven. But I didn't know who's going to win, though. I didn't know. I, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say I was Houdini and I had the you knew the future like Miss Cleo. But uh, <laughs> but I knew it was going to go to Game Seven though. Because like when you look at both teams, like the the Warriors, it seemed as though. They were just like, it doesn't matter if we have home court or we don't. We're just confident that our experience and our talent will, will will overwhelm the Rockets. And even though they had the MVP that year, it just seemed as though the Warriors were more confident in the talent they had than, than Houston was with what they had. Most definitely. And leading up to Game 7, uh, it, 
back in my head, I was like, well, this is set up perfectly for Houston to kind of dethrone the Warriors because you're going back home. You're going in front of your fans, your friends are excited, you have momentum, you have the like the underlying momentum, and it's your time to show up. But they I don't want to jump the gun, but they, you know, we know what happened, <laughs> what transpired. But you had they had all the makings of you know winning that game, being at home like that, and having that momentum. Yeah, exactly. And and leading up to this game seven, um, the Warriors win game one on the road in convincing fashion by by thirteen, and they just kind of like that. That seemed like a game where they set the tone; they were gonna come out strong. Then the Rockets came, um, come back in game two with a, a dominant dominating performance by winning. Uh, by 22 and then it heads back to golden state for game three and it's i guess it should be called like the golden state massacre because they beat the rockets by 41 i mean just completely annihilated right. them like steph had uh, Crazy. I think eight or eight or nine threes like that was the because that was the game where we were like is steph gonna be able to get in his groove and his rhythm and that was where he was like you know this is my house he, he, he was just extremely efficient in that game and that's where um the pendulum kind of swung back in, in golden state's favor Right. And then um, the Rocket and then the Rockets pull out like a really resilient win um, by winning by three on the road. And that's also the game where James Harden dunks over Draymond and Chris. Yes. Davis, if, you, if you hear the sound by Chris Webber, Chris Webber's like, oh, oh, oh. And then Reggie Miller is like, Chris, is there anything you have to say? He's like, oh, he just, he just like going off because that that dunk was just like. Oh my goodness! Like that's like a game changer because the Rockets knew like they had to have that win, and for Chris Paul and James Harden to have like a, a really competent performance, and PJ Tucker had had a really good performance as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. But they knew heading back to Houston for Game Five, they had to, to they had to get that win. And then the Rockets, you know, um, back at home, they have a four point win, um, and it, it's it's now known more for Chris Paul's hamstring injury than than the actual win. Because right. it was huge they got that they were up three to um, three to two, but when you saw Chris Paul heading off and not being able, and it looked like he wasn't going to be able to be there for for um for game six and seven, that's when people were like, even though the Warriors are down three two, we still feel as though they can pull this off. And then for game six, Clay, Clay Thompson has a scorching just shooting performance in the second half as the Warriors won by twenty nine. Eric Gordon <clears> was really good in that first half, and the Warriors were down by seventeen, but they were really resilient, and um, it leads up to to this game seven. And with our first topic, what made this game so significant and memorable, one of the things that just stands out to me is how the Warriors just erased another double-digit deficit in this game. I mean, just how historically resilient they were. That, that, like, that's the thing, like, and how quick it happens. Because I think there were like Houston con- um, concession scan workers that were like telling Rocket Rocket fans to go back to the third quarter because they're like, this is the Rock, this is the Warriors' quarter. Like even though we're up by eleven, this is the worst right. quarter. They always, yes. they always just turn it on. With what happened, um, and and especially with Gordon and Capella, and Capella they were extremely efficient in um in this game's first half. And James Harden as well. He finished with thirty two six and six. But they finished one of their last thirty attempts, attempted forty four threes, um, making only um seven and the thirty seven misses from deep as a playoff record. And it's interesting when you look at the the the, the misses they had. Because they that was already a record for them because they had 36 misses against Minnesota in the right. first round of, of that playoff in that playoff run, but it didn't matter because they were that that was an overmatched team. When we're yes. going against the greatest shooting team possibly ever, like it's just not going to work out. And, and and I really feel feel as though just the Warriors' resilience is what made this game so historically memorable. Um, but but what made this game so significant and memorable to you overall when you, when you look at what what um 
the Warriors were able to overcome. And this entire series was kind of interesting to me. It's a bunch of headlines that you can pull from this. Chris Paul going out. He was a, a big factor in those in the in the series beforehand. You have Clay Thompson uh taking over game sixes and game five. You have you know, it's so many people from different teams are contributing so much that they can take over a game. That's the headline. So many all-stars yeah. and great players on each team that can take over the game. But the one headline that I well, the 27 consecutive, but I won't say that. I won't say that. I love the <laughs> fact that the Warriors run plays. That's how they got back in the yeah. in the in the ball game. Set plays. We 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 say that third quarter is their quarter, but the entire game, when they were down and they came back in the third quarter, they started running plays. The the play that highlighted the most is the play that well, Steph will pass it to a guy and the guy will be in the corner and the guy will scoot it through his legs and the guy will pick and Steph will shoot it in the corner for a corner three. They ran that play like three or four times yeah. and it worked every time. Drawing plays up. I've never seen Houston Rockets run a play consistently. But the Warriors, that was the most memorable about me. Instead of shooting their way back into the game, they ran plays to get themselves in rhythm. Then Steph started shooting from shooting from the the, <laughs> the nosebleeds. And Kevin Durant started shooting from the mm-hmm. nosebleeds. So I that was the most memorable thing. When you you're in a bind and they're one of the best shooting teams ever. I'll top gotta be top three. Yeah. Instead of shooting your way out, they ran plays to get them back in the rhythm. Then they started releasing the bombs from three-point. That was the most memorable thing for me that's from what, game seven. That's what, that's what has to happen first. You have to run the set plays before. You, like with Houston, if they're down by double digits, they're going to just like keep shooting threes. They're just like, we yes. don't, this, is, this is all we know. Like, but with the Warriors, it seems like there's more structures to their offense, and that's what Steve Kerr has gotten credit for. And, and just... I mean, not only him, but just obviously the players that they have. There's more structure to the Warriors' offense. Like, that's the main difference to me that I saw with Houston and and Golden State. When the Warriors were down, they had structure and they knew, like, a competent way to get back in the game. Yes, and they didn't didn't panic. That's what I loved about the Warriors. Yeah, exactly. Pre-Kevin Durant, post-Kevin Durant, whatever, whatever the case is, they never panic. They figure out a way to win the ball game. Whether it's the third quarter, fourth quarter, it doesn't matter. They figure out a way to win a ball game. But when your opponent is shooting, what, 15% for the three-point line and they're a three-point team, it's not really hard to beat them in the third and fourth quarter. (laughs) It's not hard at all. They're helping you out. (laughs) They're really helping you out. And I don't know, they were more efficient when they started going to the rim. I think they were shooting 59% from the field, the Houston Rockets, but – I don't understand why they didn't start running plays. It was literally everybody. But the guys were missing open threes. Eric Gordon missed like two or three open threes. Ariza missed one from the top. He also missed one in the corner. Eric Gordon, one of the best side like side three-point shooters in the game, in my opinion. Yeah. He knocked them down all the time. He missed three. I was counting them up, and I was like, Eric Gordon? Not Eric Gordon, but... Um, no, PJ Tucker. I'm sorry, PJ Tucker, one of the best. Um, yes, yeah, he's a great corner three. Corner three. Yeah. Sorry, not Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon is a, uh, an efficient shooter when he wants to be, but PJ Tucker missed three threes from from the corner, and he's lights out from there. So it's just like maybe it just wasn't their day because this is not the first time they they've done this. But at some point in your mind, okay, let's drive it to the hole. Let's do a little pick and roll. Let's go back to what we were doing in the first half because they were doing a lot of pick and roll. 
with Clint Capella. And then they got away from that. They yeah. started shooting, trying to shoot their way back in the game because you can't go on a shootout with the Golden State Warriors. Not at all. And one of the things, like, game six, I really feel as though that was, like, their best shot. Because they were up by 17 in the first half. Like, a game seven, when you're going up against an historically great team, like, it's just, it, and they have the best player in Kevin Durant. Like, it's just always going to be, like, it's always going to be a tough thing. Because Doc Rivers, he had the quote of, like, whenever there's a game seven, I don't want to be playing against the best player in that series. I want right. the best player on on my team. Because anything can happen in a game seven. And you you always want that that best player to kind of be able to 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 tilt tilt the odds in your favor and kind of have that chance to advance. And 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 with the Warriors having the opportunity to make a trip to their fourth straight finals and then being the fifth franchise in league, league history to make it four straight seasons along with the Celtics, Lakers, and Heat, and then with with the Rockets and and Chris Paul. I mean, obviously he he wasn't he wasn't playing for this game, but I mean. James Harden still had the had the chance to kind of erase his playoff demons and get into a, a finals. Like right. if, if the Rockets had had advanced um, to to this finals, like like like, do you think even if they hadn't won, like it would have it would have erased some doubt of James Harden flaming out, or do you think it was one of those things where this was the year, like this was their best chance to like win it all? I think so. We can't even speculate of what was going to happen this year with him and Russ, but for for exactly. my. Yeah, at this standpoint, when you're like you push it to a game seven, and this Warriors was considered an untouchable team when KD went over there, and then this is the second year, so I think he has to go to a finals to kill all. No, not even just go to the finals, win an NBA finals, win it. Yeah, he has to win in order for people to say, okay. I mean, people are going to still say, oh, he only won one. He he has it this only. But if he goes and he's one for one, then all of the the negative talk, I think, will cease. But since he didn't show up, he didn't show up when it matters at the tail end of the game, missing, well, contributing to missing 27 consecutive three-pointers instead of putting the ball on the the, the hardwood and driving into the hole, this was his shot. If they had Chris Paul, maybe it'd be different, yeah. but we don't know. That's only speculation. We've seen what they can do yeah, with him early in the series, but I think that was his chance to go to the finals. He had every piece lined up. You don't have Clint Capella Everything anymore. Everything laid out for him. Yeah, you don't have Clint Capella anymore. Yeah. You have Russ, but other guys have moved around, so that was the opportunity as an entire organization for the Rockets to go to the NBA Finals, possibly even win it. Yeah. It, it, it definitely was a great possibility for them. And transitioning to our to our second um, topic, whose performance were you most impressed by? Um, KD he had thirty four points. Curry had twenty seven, ten and nine. Um, Clay had nineteen, and Draymond had had ten points and thirteen rebounds. Then on Houston side, Harden had 13, 32 points. Eric Gordon had twenty three. Capella had twenty um, and nine rebounds, and P- Peter Tucker had fourteen points and twelve rebounds. Um, I, I mean, for me, like like Steph's performance was just a really all-around performance because he had the 27 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. Yep. And his defense was also extremely key as well as he finished with four steals and, and just played elite defense on Harden in the latter half of the game. And, and what he did in the third quarter just really just separated him from the rest because he's done this so many times just over the years. We've come accustomed to, accustomed to it, but he can just turn around substantial deficits. You know, he scored 14 points in the third and went four or five from um from beyond the arc, but he just has the ability to just kind of like switch a game's outcome. Um, but overall, in terms of the performances, uh, who's were you most impressed by? 
I I can't give it to one person. It has to be the entire starting yeah. five for the Warriors. To come back from that type yeah. of deficit and not knowing, I can't give it to one person. It has to be that's the, not El Capitan. Not El Capitan. No, not El Capitan. No, 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 no. But I can't give it to one person. It's like the the entire team from what they the momentum swing. It was a couple momentum swings, but when they took it back in the third quarter, and they had a little bit going into the second half because they kind of cut the deficit a little bit. Going into the third quarter. You start running play. Steph's getting in the swing of it. Draymond played big minutes. Uh, KD played big big minutes. Curry played big minutes. I think all, uh, those three uh, had 44 minutes. Every, but the effort of those guys, and then KD kind of finished it off for them. I think it was, a, it was an entire like team effort because we've seen like the individualism of the Warriors when, you know, Katie went out and then Clay went out and then Steph Curry was by himself in that series. Yeah. And we've seen him. We, he couldn't bring them back into the ball game. So we see, I, that's why I have to give it to you as a team effort. Go, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he had the, the game six performance the year, um, th- this past year, Steph did when he was, when he was like, had no points in the first half <laughs> against the Rockets in game six. And then he has like 32 in the second half. And it's just like, Sometimes when it's just Steph and Clay, like they still have the shooting ability to be able to get to get um, the Warriors back in the game. But this game, it, like, like I definitely agree with you. Like um, individually, like Steph really impressed me. But but overall, like I definitely I definitely understand what you're saying from a team sense. Like everybody had to be at their pinnacle in this game. Like nobody could like, have like a, a a subpar type of performance. Like Draymond had 13 rebounds, and that's like that's really even even if he only had four points. If he had 13 rebounds and 10 assists, like that's a good enough performance for Draymond and, and, and you can benefit from that. And it's just, it's one of the things with the Warriors, like even without KD, like they still have the ability to shoot, to shoot really well, to get back into games. But when you have a player like KD who can just put you over the top, like I feel like, I feel like that was one of the main things, like KD put them over the top in pretty much every series. I, I, obviously uh, I'm not um, in Toronto, but even if he was healthy for that series, people were still favoring favoring them for that one because of just how of how good of a player and how dominant of a force he can be. Most definitely, most definitely, and I think for this series, Kate, well, the well, the entire you know run to the NBA Finals, I think KD played a pivotal part. He kind of set himself apart as a player. I think he set out he set out to do what he wanted to do coming from. Uh, Coming from uh, OKC, he said, "I want to be the best player on the OKC. team." For, we even yeah. talked about it, right? He wanted to be the best player. We, we talk about, talked about it uh, this this past postseason, like like where you felt as though he was the best player in the world, and it really seemed as though he was getting to that point. Yeah, most definitely. I think right now, I mean, he he's playing in injuries and he's going through the injury process, but I think I don't give it to Kawhi. I think KD's the best player in the world right now. Well. Uh, that at that time because KD is, I don't think he gets yeah, enough. Yeah. He, he doesn't get enough praise about his defensive side because he's a sharpshooter. He's a he's a mismatch. He's a mixed match, <laughs> a walking mix match. He can create his own shot. He yeah. can drive to the hole. He can he can drive past anybody. He has every all the fundamentals and intangible things in a basketball player. He doesn't get enough praise because of the muddy water of 
them losing to the Warriors when they were down, I think it was 3-1, and then him going to the Warriors. I think yeah. I think people kind of like honed in on that instead of like giving him praise because he's a great basketball player, top three basketball player. If anybody says KD is not a top three basketball player right now, they're crazy, man. It's, a, it's insane. No, <laughs> not at all. Because it showed, like, even Steph Curry still got his. Clay still got his. But we knew who the best player on that basketball team was. It was KD. He took over games. Exactly. He took over the Clippers game. Like, it was it's crazy. But I don't understand why people hate on KD so much. And, and, and that's and that's the main thing. Like, people, they just always pinpoint to him going to the team that beat him. But yeah. at the same time, like, he evolved as a basketball player. He like, did. He, he like he even said like he wanted to be in a situation that was basketball nirvana and there was that it was that one regular season game that first time um and they're playing memphis at home and it, and it was like a i think it was like a friday night game friday night home game and like they were down by like one and steph was at the top of the key and, and durant came up and he and he and, he, and uh, he, he asked for the ball and he was he just settled for a perimeter shot and, and and later on, like Steph and Draymond told him, like that's not our system. Like we we're we're constantly moving. It's a motion offense. Like we're not just going to play isolation basketball. And I feel like with, with with the transition to Golden State, that's where he really learned like the motion offense. Like constantly moving. That was the better. That was the better chance for him to to win a championship. And I'm glad you mentioned that because one, I didn't even think about that. Like that element of his game that changed when he went to the Warriors. That is an excellent point. He really evolved as a basketball player when he played with the Warriors. And I think the test message from Steph Curry was like, you know, we nobody wants to be the big guy. I mean, if you come over here, we're going to be a team effort. I think that's what he kind of like, I don't know, challenged himself to evolve as a basketball player. We've seen Kyrie try to do it by going to Cle- – I mean, going to – excuse me, going to the Celtics. Awesome. We did – yeah, we didn't see the evolu- evolution – I don't know if it was evolving <laughs> or not, but we see what players try to go. We see LeBron James come from Cleveland and evolve as a basketball player, as a real leader in Miami. And with the talent of Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, he was the yep. best player on that basketball team. He, LeBron needed those four years in Miami. Like those were crucial, crucial years I, for him to like most to definitely. a better leader and player. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. He he had to, to to evolve as a player because he needed to understand what team basketball was. Because when he was in Cleveland, he was the only guy they brought. Well, they brought Shaq in late. Uh, who else? They who else did they bring yeah. to uh, the <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers? Shaq was kind of like, and oh god, he was at a tail end of his career. They they kept giving him <laughs> guys that were old. They didn't draft well. They didn't go like get LeBron's some young like, guys. Why are you guys giving me old guys? <laughs> like, right. give me younger guys. Come on. Give me younger guys. And that's why he left him. Like, yo, the guy's been there for five plus years, and you haven't gave, given him any players that are contending. Yes, they went to, you know, almost won the big dance, but still give, give the guy somebody he can work with. Like they did Kobe. Kobe asked for more yeah. players. They got Paul Gasol. They went to go get Steve Nash, Dwight Howard. They were just giving Almost him players. Almost got Chris. Oh, oh, we got to do a segment on that too, man. <laughs> Come on, man. We got to. <laughs> that was an abomination. Come on, David but, Yeah, two different commissioners. So, NBA commissioner. So, yeah, yeah that different was times. crazy. Yeah, different, different times. times. That was crazy, though. 
Yeah, and and transitioning to uh to our to our next segment, which elite player had the most disappointing performance? Um, I, I mean the the top one most people think about in this series is, is Harden because you know he was the MVP that year, started the series off strong with forty one points in Game One, um, but his numbers just continued to dip, and he averaged um twenty six point seven points on thirty eight percent shooting from the floor, including twenty percent from three over the last last six games, and that and just that inefficiency from behind the arc just it just continued in key moments of the game where like a lot of times he would just defer to Eric Gordon in that game seven and just kind of like felt as though that was the better basketball decision to do. Um, I mean, Trevor Ariza, like, 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 I know not, not an elite player, but he went scoreless, you know, of 12 from the floor and of nine from, from deep. So uh, mm-hmm. there, there were players that just didn't, you know, have their best performances. Um, yeah. Which player or elite player for the Rockets just kind of didn't have like, ha- had the most disappointing performance for you. Trevor Ariza, hands down, hands down. Yeah. 42 minutes, and you don't score any points. Uh, what do you have? He had seven rebounds, two assists, two steals. Come on, Trevor. But, but he there was missed- probably a fan. There was probably a kid. There was probably a kid that wanted to see you just score one basket. You, like, like, right. Not one basket. <laughs> right. Dad, why is it Trevor shooting or making the ball? <laughs> like, he missed two wide-open jumpers. He was, he was shooting contest- contested shots. He was not in his right mind, I don't think. He played terrible basketball. He's a I know he's not one of the big name guys on the team, but what we've seen from him from the yeah. Lakers transitioning to the Houston Rockets, the guy can play basketball. He's a good he's a big vital part of that on the backcourt in the front court, but he didn't show up. He meant when a guy misses an open three and nobody around him, just yeah, go ahead and shoot. Just shoot, just shoot and just boom, like I don't understand it. You're in the NBA, bro. See Come on. Like, yep. Keep leaving him open. Keep leaving him open. <laughs> and that's crazy because Trevor Reza is a good three efficient three-point shooter. Yeah. For years. That's, for years. And that's what I'm saying. Like, why didn't he show up? Like, he hands down. I don't James we okay. Let me let me hit this. James Harden is not as bad as people were saying him he is in the playoffs because yeah, he's absolutely. he's held to a different standard. They're, the conversation is different, but for on the specific mm-hmm. player on that team, Trevor Reza, hands down, was the worst. 42 minutes. He played 42 minutes, well, I said. 42. And, and that's the thing, because so many times, we, like, like we look for star players to just, when they don't when they don't win a, a game seven or, or a, a must-win game, like a win or go home, to, uh, or, or go home type of game, Yep. Um, we always look at the star player, but a lot of times, like, there's a role player that just did, just did not show up. And for Trevor Reza, like, if he had like at least maybe like 12 points or 15 points and was like more efficient from the perimeter and just had like a decent shooting performance, like they may have that that game may have like went even closer down the stretch than just being a nine point game. And I feel like that was the thing. Like Harden still had 32 points. He still did his part, but just right. the role players were not, you know, were, were not at that level. Definitely wasn't. And when you think about that, I, I, when he was talking about, like, you know, the, the star player gets the most of the blame, I thought about when the Pistons beat the Lakers. Yeah. They beat the Lakers, and Shaq got all of the blame for that series. Shaq got all of the so – every, everybody played terrible. Rick Fox played terrible. Kobe didn't, didn't show up. Shaq definitely didn't show up. I'll give you that. Shaq looked like he was back at LSU, and that's not a good thing. You know, Shaq was a beast at LSU, but he just yeah. looked like he was not even a seasoned vet. 
like he was still, you know, you know, green around the ear or green around the gills. Still learning the game. <laughs> yeah, that's what. It, yeah, so I was like, yo. But thinking about that, Shaq got all the blame. He'll tell you he was like, man, I didn't, I didn't even show up. I, I wasn't even like in my right mind in that series because it went what two for three or three for four? It was three for four. It was three for four. Three for four with the Lakers going to yeah, the finals. They, they lost to uh lost to the Pistons. I remember that series because we was watching it. At church, everybody was picking the Lakers. Yeah, oh, everybody was yeah. picking the Lakers for that series. Everybody's like, "Well, the Lakers are going to win this one." The, yeah, you know, like, like it's clear. Of, so you didn't have the Lakers winning that series. I definitely did. Okay, okay, <laughs> just making sure, just yeah, making yeah. sure, because yeah. I was a big time Lakers fan back back in the day. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna act like, I'm not gonna act like, like, like I, I just knew that the Pistons were going to have a dominant series because I don't think anybody envisioned that. No. Now looking back at that lineup, crazy Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Rip Hamilton, aka Reggie Miller, because he like really emulated Reggie Miller's game. Yeah, Rasheed Wallace, and you had yeah. the enforcer Ben, Mister Ben, Mister Hair Goodness. Hair Out Wild with the Headband Ben. <laughs> yeah, that lineup was crazy. You know, his afro put my dad's. His afro put my dad to shame, man. Oh my, 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 my! Oh, I can't forget the left hand killer, Tayshawn Prince. That man is underrated. Oh, Tayshawn Prince. Oh, he was underrated. He yes. was an underrated basketball player. That guy was left handed, but he, ooh, he could cook with both. So consistent. He, so consistent. Man, 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 man. He'll slow cook you like a crock pot. I'm telling you, he's he's boy, he's versatile <laughs> with it. He's super versatile. I don't, I don't, man. I don't understand why people don't give we him his praise. All slept on Tayshawn Prince. Oh, most slept on Tayshawn Prince. You know, Chauncey, Pil- <laughs> Chauncey Billups was great. You know, Rip Hamilton was great, but but Tayshawn Prince, like man, that, that that guy was killer. He was his three point ability as well. Slept on because he used to he used to sharp him. Yeah. Rip was the guy who he was more of the guy. I'm gonna take it to the hole. Rip can shoot. But Rip, ooh, my, 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 mm-hmm. man, that, okay. Now I see why they won, but that lineup and their yeah. bench, too, they had some great, who was their bench players? They had, um, oh, God. We got to do, we got to do that one, too, man. Since we're, this is the first one, Houston Rockets versus the Warriors. Got to be a Lake, the Lakers versus uh, yeah. the Pistons. That'll be a good series Pistons. to talk about. Yeah, Most definitely. definitely. And, 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 and dealing with, um, um, uh, go, going to our, to our last topic with uh, was it coach team or players legacy elevated or diminished by the result? Um, you know, one of the top people I think about in this series um, is is Mike D'Antoni because he's always labeled as the genius coach um, who doesn't just who's never had like a signature accolade and and, and to add along having the the three two, three two lead and knowing that a game seven um, is at home in your in your back pocket um, just. To, to me, like there, there's always like a limit to just kind of the game plan that he can put together. Um, going up against a team that perfected the style that he implemented with with Phoenix and Steve Nash um, when he had two MVPs, it's always one of the big. It's always one of the biggest questions. Like, can Mike D'Antoni um, ever have a signature accolade? And I feel like that was one of the biggest. Like, that was the one of the biggest question marks with this with the outcome of this series because he had the series last year. Um, the, the 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 series the year before when James Harden just did not show up at all, like only had ten points against the Spurs in that game six when Kawhi wasn't playing, and yeah, I mean, I mean, and he had the clipboard and he was just like 
at halftime. It's like, what do I do? Like, they don't have their, their team's best player. My star player is not is not showing up at all. And, and, and it seems as though, like, like those question marks are still surrounding Mike Antoni, even after this series and, and even currently. Um, but but which, like, coach, player, or team's legacy do you feel like was elevated or, or, or diminished kind of, uh, like, by this uh, Game 7 result? I think the Houston Rockets organization took a took a hit because we 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 spoke about the the timing of James Harden's career or going to the finals and where he it was a peak at that year was it for Dan and Tony to not to run plays and take control of his of his of his team took a knot. James Harden the whole entire team uh Trevor Reza going 0 for 9 uh James Harden going for 2 for 13 or 2 for 14 Eric going into the same took a hit. That's why I say the whole organization took a hit because as an as a unit, I think the coach should have took over. I think James Harden as a leader should should have took over and said, okay, I'm going to stop shooting threes. We need to stop shooting threes. Let's call a timeout. Let's get everything together. Let's run a play. Let's go back to the pick and roll. He didn't do that. Trevor Reason should have said, hey, coach, I'm 0 for 9. I ain't doing well. Let- <clears throat> Excuse me. Let some of these other <laughs> players play. I'm, I'm out. I can't do this. He didn't do that. Uh, Clint, <laughs> the one guy who played a flawless basketball game was Clint Capella. He played a flawless yes. basketball the effort, the game. Effort and yes. yes, yes. Played a complete basketball game. He was he was fire on defense. He was going. He was fluent on the pick and roll. It was just it, they looked like the chemistry was working, and then boom. Third quarter hit, I think they outscored him like 45 or 15 or something like that, if I'm not mistaken, in the third quarter. Yeah. So, man, the whole organization took a took a knock. And James Harden peak of going to the finals, I think, declined that year, to be honest. I don't care who he has on the basketball court that, with him. That was his year. Yeah. I don't see him going to a finals. Yeah. But, um, I mean, but, but, but I, like, I just, I just don't really see, like, and, and, and I mean, who knows like how the future of the league is going to play out? Like if him and Russ can can eventually like advance farther in the postseason. Um, but it just really seemed as though like the, the biggest question mark was was what would happen if Chris Paul um, was there for those game for for Game Six and Game Seven. And, and another one is um, before we close out is Andre Iguodala. Like Steve Kerr said, if Andre Iguodala was fully healthy for that series, the Rock the Warriors would have won in five. And I don't know if I don't know if that's one hundred percent true, but I mean you have to wonder because Iguodala's effect on that second unit and even what he does for that small ball lineup, the the the, the Hamptons five, like it's just it, it, like we, we just call the death lineup, which is which is killer. Like it, it always had an impact on teams, even in game two against Toronto, um, he had a he had the huge three at the latter half to to get them the win. Um, just the key veteran players like Sean Livingston, Iguodala. I don't know if the words would have won in five, but it's definitely, it definitely was huge how how they had veteran players to constantly keep things going for them for the second unit. And I agree. Like they had a, I think Warriors had a complete basketball team because it's rare. Your starting five can be fire, but their bench can be kind of like god awful. Yeah. Because I look at the the Heat, the Heat bench wasn't that good at all. They wasn't good. I, in my opinion, I don't think their bench was good. But the Warriors with KD and then Sean Levinstein coming off the bench with Equal Dollar coming off the bench. They had um uh I don't uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Shoot. But they, yeah, their bench was like Azili. Yes, there we go. And it was a couple more. Let me see if I can. I like that it was a complete team. And 
it's it makes a good argument. It's it's a it's it's entertaining to say they would have went one and five. I don't believe that. I, I'm with you. I, yeah, I don't, I don't believe, believe that. that either. I feel as though that's a little bit of arrogance. Just like Steve is like, yo, we're we're light years ahead of them. Light years. Yeah. Yeah, no, but oh, the other guys. Oh, we're gonna, get, no. we're gonna get Giannis. We're gonna get Giannis in a couple of years. We're light years ahead of the league. Yeah, no, 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 no. If we, we could also make the argument if Chris Paul was completely healthy for that game, yeah, it would have been one and six probably. It would have been. It would. It would have been different because one, Chris Paul is got. I think I, that's why I love Chris. Well, no, I can't even say that. See, you got to get me because I was like, why would they say Chris Paul on that, buddy? And I definitely say that. I'm gonna Come be, on, the, the first year of full scope, the first year of full scope, our, our first big disagreement was Chris Paul. I was like, Chris Paul's the guy. He's gonna get. He's gonna get them places. And you're like, Wellington, Chris Paul is washed. He's washed. He doesn't have anything left in the tank. And I was like, I, 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 I don't know, man. Chris Paul, he, he he's still, a, he's still a pretty elite player. <laughs> this is so funny. I feel like, um, come on, skip. come on, skip. come on. Come on, skill. Come on, skill. Skill. Come on, skill. Come on, skill. Come on, skill. Come on Like, yo, that was like dumb. I don't know why I said that. I was mostly like referring to his injuries, which he still got hurt. I was right in one. The injury of history was a was big question. That was yeah. a big question mark for, for him, though. That's what that's why I kind of like raised the, that alert, that red flag, because <clears throat> his past, you know, past history with his injuries, and then what he gets he gets injured in the the biggest peak. They could have yeah. went to the NBA Finals, but yeah, he's not washed up. You yeah. see what he was doing with OKC before, um, you know the OKC. They were like top five in the West. Yes. So he's definitely not washed up. <laughs> I, see, I was wrong. I can admit that Wellington, I was wrong. <laughs> and, and, and look, I may have to admit one day that I was wrong about the Clippers. I mean, look like the Lakers were about to. to, to to uh, take the whole thing, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll still have to wait and see for that one. But in, in terms yeah. of in, in terms of any anything else, uh, you would uh, uh, that that kind of sticks with you for this series um, before we close out. Um, what, what was there anything in particular, like any game outside of Game Seven that you think was pivotal? Because I mean, the Game Four with Houston was huge, and even Game Three, I feel like that was the game where Steph kind of finally uh, found his rhythm and kind of got got back into a groove and was able to kind of finish the series strong. Yeah, I think I think Clay Clay has the ability to take over games, and we I know we kind of we like here at Full Scope we said uh, Clay Thompson is Game Six King. Uh, I don't know if you remember that <laughs> yeah. or you agree with that. Yeah, so I don't know, man. The I think when Clay took over, we really saw like the the, the raw talent that Clay Thompson had. He's a great defender. He's a great shooter. He can he can. Mm. Take it to the hole, create his own shot. He doesn't get enough praise. I guess I'm on not enough praise podcast today. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to get everybody their new <laughs> justice. But yeah, I mean, new man, title, new title, <laughs> right? And I don't know if you remember we were talking about trade, uh, um, tradings, and you know the the um, the free agency. We thought Clay was going to leave and not resign and whatever. I think he needed to go yeah. and need to go by himself. The Lakers. Yeah, or the Lakers or somebody. I said the Jazz. I don't know why I said the Jazz. It sounded good at the time. <laughs> it sounded good at the time. That would be nice, though. That would be nice. Donovan Mitchell and Clay Thompson. That would be nice. Yeah, that would be a crazy lineup. 
It'd be crazy. Crazy backcourt, backcourt, man. But you know, he signed back with the Warriors, whatever. But um, now nah, he doesn't get enough do. He doesn't get enough praise, man. He's a great basketball player. I think if he sounds salty about that, I feel like he signed with the Warriors, whatever. <laughs> no, because I want to see him like because okay, we seen Harrison Barnes. Yeah, when Harrison Barnes went off, we saw him. He wasn't that good of a basketball player without the Warriors. I want to see if Klay Thompson is as great as a basketball player without the Warriors. KD, great basketball basketball player without the Warriors. Steph Curry, I think he'd be a great basketball player without the Warriors. Draymond Green, no. He's not a great player without the Warriors. (laughs) No. But I just want to see Charles Barkley would agree with you on that one. Almost definitely, he definitely would. I just want to see Clay go out and spread his wings to see if he's as great as a basketball player as I think he is with another basketball team. But well, we probably won't get to see that. Yeah, it, it really does seem like like he's going to finish out with Golden State and and kind of continue continue along that route. Um, well, that wraps it up for for our first memorable game review. Um, and I just have to say this. Chris Chris Weber, check check out the soundbite of of the of the James Harden over Draymond Dunk. Uh, it was a he said it, he said oh like twelve. You, you guys got to hear it. It, it may be put on on this show, but he said like twelve times. Like oh. Reggie Miller was like, Chris, are you okay? And he was like, No. <laughs> oh. But, um, but but yeah. So. <laughs> Chris, do you have anything else to say? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, that. <laughs> Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Wellington Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later. Draymond Green and a lot of chatter out there following that shot. Oh! 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 <laughs> Anything else you want to say? <laughs> oh! Press you okay? Oh, it's nothing like a body-to-body dunk that puts a man on the ground, especially when the smaller player wins attacking a basket. That's a poster. And Harden has scored the last eight points for the Rockets off to a terrific start in this first half. He now has 19 points.